Hello and welcome to the October episode of Charging Status, the EV-focused podcast brought to you from the interface. As always, I'm joined by my co-host Jim Starling. How are you doing, Jim? Hi, Alex. I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? <laughs> Not too bad, thank you. Um, we uh, we met up last, it was last week, was it last? No, it's a few weeks ago, um, at SMMT Drive Day. Um, we drove some quite interesting cars, actually. Um, so that was at the... That was down in Basingstoke, or up in Basingstoke for you, as, as I should say. Um, yeah. So that was a that was a pretty cool day. There were some pretty cool cars. So. Yeah, that was really cool. I I didn't actually drive that much in the end. Um, I was sort of there more to speak to people and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, definitely. Um, I we we had a ride in that BMW i7. Um, which, oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I hope to be able to get one of those. Um, for a review at some point but to give you the um sort of 10 second to 15 second review it's basically a big air mattress with wheels on and it's 150 grand <laughs> i remember reading the uh specs in the cars like what there's like 30 grand of options on this car so Th- 34 insane. grand of options on yeah it. but what Ridiculous. a thing oh my lord yeah, I was a very, very happy man driving that. The only thing that slightly took the edge of it is is that I had you sitting next to me. Um, otherwise, it would have been just perfection. Yeah, oh, likewise. It was the only the only thing that took the edge off it was you driving. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I had a go in. There was a massive queue. So, just for some context, there wasn't many cars there. Not really compared to things we've been to before. But there was a massive queue for the Abarth 500e. I think I was just sat waiting mm. for an hour for that car because I just that was my goal to drop for that day. That's an impressive thing. I can um, a lot of the opinions that people have on that car, like all oh, the noise is ridiculous, but for me the noise helped the engagement of the car a little yep. bit. So I I felt that was really really impressive. Um, very mm. nice to drive. Very very fun. So I thought that was that was quite impressive. I think as well, if you didn't like the noise, you you can turn it off, can't you? Yeah, you just go into the settings and turn it off. The only thing yeah. you have to do is you have to park, put the car handbrake up, and then go into the settings to turn it off. But you do it once, right. you don't like it, and that's it. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's not the end of the world, is it? No, not really. Um, I didn't. I didn't drive that. Um, obviously, I've spent quite a lot of time in the Fiat Five Hundred E, and. I just wasn't as desperate to drive the Bath version as some others. Um, obviously, we both, uh, you drove and I I sat alongside you in the MG4 X-Power. That was quite lively, was it not? Yeah, I thought that was... So I the MG4 standard car was the first car I reviewed on the Interface channel. And some of the mm. bits on it wasn't too impressed with. But the MG4 X-Power, they seem to have put the level of build quality up. So mm. for me, I think they've stepped up a little bit in terms of the quality of it and yeah that was that was mega i think it's got like nearly 450 horsepower i have to put the exact figures on screen uh, it's in the show notes as well but I, that was absolutely rapid it was so really, grippy really in, the, in the corners as well wasn't it it was, it was oh, very yeah. very nice yeah 100 the um the only thing that confused me slightly with that is that you were driving an mg4 and you didn't crash it yeah uh, so yeah I mean, it's the first first time for everything i guess <laughs> 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 Sorry, I don't mean to bring that up again, Alex. I know it's a sore point. No, it's all right. <laughs> um, and then by myself, I drove the Peugeot E2008. Um, I've got mixed feelings about that. The I don't know, some of the 
we drove we also drove a petrol or diesel uh, i think it's petrol petrol voxel and i those two cars between them i didn't feel the best about the build quality of them like the the voxel mm. had some bits of the trim wheel falling apart and the the Persia, everything all the buttons felt really small i don't know if it's just I don't know if it's. To, I have never driven a Peugeot before that, but I don't know. Some of the buttons felt really small, and the screen resolution. A lot of the text was really small. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's a, a common thing with Peugeots, but it was. It felt very numb. The driving experience as well. Yeah, I mean, we we both went out in that Astra as well, didn't we? The Astra Touring. Yeah. And again, like the build quality, it just, especially when you look at the price of the car. Yeah, yeah. It was very plastic very very average and yeah. um it d- doesn't sort of fit with the price tag unfortunately no. i think stellantis need to up their game with um with some of their current offerings yeah but i did think even though bath and fiat are start the part of stellantis the bath build quality was really impressive um yeah I, I i found anyway a lot of the materials they used were quite nice so mm. pretty good yeah yeah, I'll just have a quick chat about what we've been driving. So uh, I had last week, it went back on Monday, I had the Genesis GV60, the Sport Plus. I think the exact same car that you had as well, uh, GV65. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, what a car. I just, yeah, is, it's absolutely incredible. Um, I drove it down to London to go and use one of those new charging stations. Um, I have mm-hmm. not, I didn't, the entire time I drove it, I didn't, not, did not see another Genesis on the road. So it got a lot of attention. Yeah. I don't know if you found that as well. Everyone just kept glancing at it yeah. and looking at it. So yeah, any any time you drive a Genesis, people stare at it, and it's. I think yeah. I've mentioned it in a couple of the Genesis reviews I've had, but yeah, it doesn't happen quite so much now as it used to. But certainly the first time I had a Genesis for review, I'd spend my whole time either on my drive, just talking to some passerby, who would say either what is it? Is it an Aston Martin or is it Bentley? Or you you literally go to the shop, like go to Sainsbury's or something. You get out of the car, and there's not not only one sometimes, sometimes multiple people that want to stop and ask you what the car is, um, wow. which is great. You know, it's a, a really great thing that the cars actually, you know, demanding a bit of inter- attention from the public. Um, but it also shows that people still don't know what Genesis is as a brand over here. Yeah. Obviously, it's been around in the US for long ago, and it's much more established. Mm. Um, I think there's, I think people are getting more used to it now. I think people are seeing them on the road occasionally, um, but they deserve to be seen on the road far more often because they do produce some absolutely fantastic cars. Yeah, I was, I was blown away with how, how much stuff on that car was like just tech i've not come across before like for example mm. the um just if you're driving for an hour like every single hour if you're driving it will start to massage your seat to give you like mm. so it says lower back like um it says lower back resolution or something along those lines just to make you more comfortable when you're driving um and just the air purification system and all the things that happen by itself the, the charging speed is just incredible as well so they've done a really good job with that car did you set up the um, facial recognition thing to get in and out yeah, of the so, car? Yeah, the guy who delivered it, he said, oh, do you want me to show you the facial recognition? I was like, what? I didn't even know it had that. So we did that. Yeah. Um, I'd never got it to work, though. Um, so I never I tried it once and then it didn't work again. But no, that's quite that's quite cool, that feature. 
See, I I did get it to work once, but I I do feel like it's a bit of a gimmick. Yeah. Um, but Maybe yeah, it just face. shows that they're trying. <laughs> it does at least show that they're trying out new things. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. Again, it's something I hadn't seen before. You know, gaining entry to a car using facial rec as you would to your phone, for example. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it shows there's kind of forward thinking. Yeah. And I, I love the infotainment system. So the fact that there's the, like the it's got like a BMW iDrive system, the, the knob to turn mm. all this stuff. And that, that infotainment system, along with the driver's display, not once did it lag or just glitch or anything. Yeah. Everything was so smooth. Um, and the the sort of the sensibilities of, all, of navigating that whole system is just really good. So they've done a, that yeah. is another point they've done really well. It's great as well because, I mean, it, at its heart, it's that Kia Hyundai system that we've yeah. seen in so many cars before. But just the UI they've dropped over the top, I don't know, it just It just works, works so well. Yeah. Mm. And also the amount of customization you've got. So you can, most cars, you've got whatever the car is set to do. You just can't change it. But you can customize all the little star buttons, the dot buttons. You can say what yep. things happen when in certain situations. It's Yeah, I'm absolutely blown away. Really good. One thing I wanted to ask you about was I know you've driven both the premium and the Sport Plus model. Did you notice a difference in the turning circle between those two vehicles or did you not? Uh, to be honest, there's about a year gap in between them okay. probably. So if I did, it's, you know what I'm like. If I've slept, yeah. so I've forgotten everything that's happened prior to that. So um, not especially okay. that I recall. The, but, the only reason yeah. I asked is this, the turning circle on the Sport Plus was a little bit less than what i'm used like i'd expect i guess that was to do the four drive system that was well that's the avenue i was going down um mm. yeah quite 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 possibly mind you you should check the turning circle on my rear wheel drive tesla yuck oh really yeah 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 it's just a big car yeah. thing then yeah maybe yeah um so that's enough about what i've been driving what have you been driving recently oh what have i been driving i've been driving the byd dolphin Mm. So um, there is a review for that up on Men and Motors at the moment. Uh, so go and check that out. Yeah, the BYD Dolphins a very, very good car. Very good car. Um, obviously, me and you actually took out an Atto, didn't we? At one of those SMNT yeah. days before, and it was it was a yeah, nice yeah. thing, and it was well put together and everything else. But I don't know. I didn't feel particularly impressed. Uh, the Dolphin really did impress me, and f at the price point, which it's competing directly against things like the Aura Funky Cat and uh, the Corsa E, um, those kind of cars, and it's to me it feels like a step above um, certainly the Corsa, but even the Funky Cat, it, it really feels great. That's really good. Very cool interior. Yeah, you've got that amazing sort of ipad like screen that you can rotate at the touch of a button really a nice thing the only thing that let it down a bit um is that it was quite noisy out on the motorway noisier than you would expect obviously mm. not engine noise because there's not one but it's not that well insulated from the outside world and i think a little bit more of attention a little bit more attention there and um it really would have kind of polished what's otherwise a very very good piece of kit yeah that's really good because uh, we weren't the atto 3 wasn't the most memorable car we, we drove yeah the atto 3 i don't know it looks very generic as well doesn't it mm. and, you know is what it is um 
the other the other car I've had uh, that just went back Monday, I think, was the Nissan Aria, and um, review for that is out on my channel now. Definitely not Guru, so go and check that one out. Uh, in short, on that one, I thought that was a great car, to be honest. Um, lots yeah. to like about it. Yeah, really a lot to like about it. It had the the deepest shag pile carpet in the on the mats that I think I've ever seen in a vehicle. Um, not that that's really a, a, a measure of how good a car is or not. The thing that I didn't like about it is the price point, because uh, I think the review model I had was about 47 grand. And I mean, that puts it up against the Tesla Model Y. And not in a mm. million years would I buy that Nissan Aria over a Tesla Model Y. To me, it feels like it should be £8,000 less than it is to be competing with things like the Model Y and the Enyaq, uh, because it does have a smaller boot. It doesn't have the most amazing range in the world. Um, I have heard conflicting reports about how realistic that range is in the real world. I must right. admit, during my time with that particular car, it performed really well. I was getting something like four miles per kilowatt hour. So I didn't think that was too bad at all in a car of its size. But, mm. you know, it, there's a lot of competition in that sector. And I feel like Nissan either needs to somehow try a bit harder or come out with a more realistic price for it. Um, but as a proof of concept as to where Nissan are possibly heading, it's great. And it feels a lot, mm. lot more premium than anything else Nissan I've driven in a long time. That's great, yeah. I don't know if you've seen it. There's a mm. there's an interesting couple that are driving a Nissan Aria that's been modified by Arctic trucks. They're driving it pole to pole, essentially. Oh, yeah. So they're driving it from the North Pole to the South Pole. I think they're in, currently in... Yep. South Africa, South America somewhere. So interesting yeah. thing that I've seen recently. Yeah, that looks really cool. Cool. Um, we've got, before we get started on the news, you're going to Los Angeles, aren't you, at some point? I am. Yeah. yeah in the uh, middle of November. So Men and Motors have asked me to go over to LA and cover the LA Auto Show for them. So there'll be lots of videos coming to the Men and Motors channel. Uh, all about the LA Auto Show and um, hopefully in next month's episode we can sort of preview some of the things that we that I might be seeing there and, and reporting on there. Uh, I would guess by then there'll be a bit of a schedule out and we'll get some teasers as to as to what's going to be on show. So that's massively exciting. Um, I'll also be going to the Peterson Museum and doing some mm. video footage there. And then on my channel, uh, there's going to be sort of a behind-the-scenes road trip kind of thing because after oh, I've nice. been to L.A., yeah, we're going to head up to Vegas. Um, we're going to actually get there the day after the F1 race has happened. So it will be quite good to see uh, perhaps some carnage yeah. on the strip left over from the F1. Uh, hopefully not too much crazy traffic um, because obviously they've got to I guess immediately take the grandstands down and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I hope it's fairly trouble free once we get there. Um, and we're going to the uh, Shelby Heritage Museum, uh, which is sort of massive Shelby uh, workshop and museum just a couple of miles away from the strip. I have been there before. It is fantastic. So yeah, lots of, Video content will come from that trip. I'm massively excited about it. I'm taking a friend of mine who's going to be the cameraman for the trip. So, yeah, keep your eyes peeled on Men and Motors and on my channel. And uh, 
hopefully, exciting things to come. Folks, just a polite reminder before we continue with the podcast, it would be great if you could leave a review wherever it is that you listen to this podcast. Uh, or indeed, if it's on YouTube, please leave a comment, please subscribe, please give it a thumbs up. If you're using a podcast app, again, reviews really help, followers really help, and we really need to spread the word. So please tell a friend and share on your social media. Enough of the shameless self-promotion. Let's crack on with the rest of the podcast. The first story we've got is the 2030 ice ban pushed back to 2035. Now, you covered this in a video on your on the Definitely Not A Guru channel. Um, this mm. came, I think this was announced last month. Well, um, it was the fact that Rishi Sunak had announced that there was a, they're going to delay the the push to um, fully electric vehicles just back by five years. So mm. at the moment, well, before the announcement, it was going to be 2030 that it was going to be hybrid vehicles that had to be sold from then on. It's now just being pushed back by five years. What's your sort of take mm. on, on that decision? Um, I, I guess it's been done to try and win votes because a lot of people are still very, very anti-EV, and obviously that's only be, being fueled by all the nonsense in the press. Yep. Um, but I don't think it will actually change anything, if I'm being perfectly honest, because most of the manufacturers are not going to be manufacturing ICE cars after that date. And if they do, can you imagine how much the, the tax is going to be on them and how much tax is going to be on the fuel, etc.? You know, so I, I just honestly don't think it's going to make a blind bit of difference. Uh, I saw that actually last month in September, the uh, sales of EVs to private buyers had actually dropped and lots of news outlets are running with, oh, the sales to private buyers have dropped because of this ban being pushed mm -hmm. back. Again, utter, utter nonsense. To me, it's just lazy journalism. And it's just a quick way of getting out a story that they think is going to attract clicks. I think so, so, so much of the nonsense that's out there now is just clickbait drivel. Um, but I mean, is it the, the date, the month that gets announced, the, the sales figures drop and it's because of that. I mean, it's, it's rot. There's a lot of that negative stuff. I've, well, especially today as we're recording, um, I think the, um, Luton, um, <laughs> Oh, there's a car park at Luton Airport that caught fire, and there was a yeah. lot of stories. The fact that oh, this was caused by an EV, but apparently it was just a, a Range Rover, but uh, like an old Range. Yeah, Rover yeah. I mean, was, it was it was obvious it was going to yeah. be an EV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's that. I bet that yeah. electric uh, 1984 electric Range Rover caused it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. definitely uh, wouldn't have had. Petrol's not combustible, is it? So. And then there was some stuff. Um, I saw a video from Bourne Island. He, he apparently one of his videos that he was just doing one of his usual rain tests of an Atto three, and then they, the the son took it completely the wrong way and took screenshots. Actually, downloaded his video, re-uploaded it to, to the website, so it wasn't even on a YouTube link at all, and took it like, oh, this EV ran out of charge. And also Nicola from Electrifying, one of her yep. videos got the same thing. It, it screenshotted, re downloaded, re-uploaded to the son, and just said, oh, this this EV is really cheap. But it was a that was a dolphin, and she apparently she said she loved the car, so. I don't know. That was quite funny as well because Ginny Buckley yeah. posted up because she's obviously CEO, isn't she, of Electrifying? Yeah. And she she sort of posted the excerpt from the YouTube sort of user user agreement, um, yeah. almost as a bit of a legal challenge, and they just yeah. withdrew it straight away. But again, yeah. it's just clickbait. You know, these yeah. news outlets now and some of the newspaper websites are the worst for it. The, the whether they're printing facts or not or publishing fact. 
is the last thing they're actually interested in. It's about getting clicks. Yeah, it's disgraceful, really. So, mm. yeah, uh, on the topic of the 2030 ban, so as soon as after, as soon as that news was announced, it was going to be delayed. Nissan just said, "Well, we're going to stop selling cars in Europe from 2030 mm. anyway. Stop selling combustible combustion cars." They just said they're they're already marching ahead with that with the deadline change or the the previous deadline. Sorry. Um, so yeah, as you said, uh, as you said, manufacturers have still got those deadlines in place, and they'll still just continue with them. It seems like anyway. Well, the thing I was thinking with that is, um, well, we're such well in, in relative to the entire world, the UK is still quite a small market. And we are one of few markets that has right and drive. So why 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 the hell would manufacturers go to all the effort and cost to manufacture vehicles specifically for us if we got a different deadline change? You know what I mean? Exactly. And yeah. I think again, there's so much that you read about this where the press are trying to make it make the story different. It's kind of it, electric uh, electric cars will be the only thing allowed. Petrol and diesel cars will be banned. It's, it's nonsense, you know, it's yeah. new petrol and diesel cars won't allow, be allowed to be sold. But however many hundreds of thousands are already on the road will still be allowed to be there. You just might be yeah. taxed up the wazoo if you want to continue to drive them. But yeah, it's there's so much noise around it, so much nonsense about it. And I think really the government's pushed this back to try and appeal to some of that and win some votes. Okay, uh, the next story is a bit more positive. Um, it's the, I think we reported a few, I think we talked about my podcast a few, a little while ago. So when the new mini electric was announced, there was, there was some hoo-ha about the Cowley factory down in Oxford that wouldn't, it wouldn't be used for those electric vehicles because the factory mm. wasn't ready. So they were, what they were going to do is produce them in, in China, um, and then keep producing the new mini, but the petrol versions here. However, uh, BMW have announced that they've managed to secure some funding, uh, or they've set aside some funding to like overhaul the factory. They've announced they're going to invest 600 million pounds into redoing that factory to produce EVs. And that'll be ready to produce 200,000 cars per year. So that's that's really, really good news. And the fact that jobs down there will be secure as well. So Yeah, it's fantastic news. You know, we used to be obviously one of the big car producers. And over the years, it's become less and less uh, attractive for, for car production car manufacturers to produce cars in the uk and hopefully this is a sign that you know car manufacturing in the uk is viable and that more manufacturers will choose to start looking at the uk again yeah brilliant um and bmw said that uk government has supported this investment with some financial aid but they haven't specifically said how much that is the new electric mini will start production in 2024 down in Oxford. So that's, again, that's really good news. Mm -hmm. The next story is a piece that you wrote for my website, The Interface. Um, the, just very surprisingly, the the up, uh, the Volkswagen up, sort of an icon, well, a little bit of an icon with small hatchbacks. Um, it's been officially discontinued yesterday. So it's quite a big amount. I didn't mm -hmm. see this coming at all. I don't know if there was any pre-announcements to it, but it seemed to just, just happen out of nowhere. Um, and I think this was... Out of the three, out of the three sort of clones, the the up the city city go in the minute the me from Seat, those other two ones have already been dropped from sale previously. So the up was sort of left on its own, mm. um, and it was over time the price had gone up slightly for each model, um, but it's yeah it's the end of mm. been in production for over twelve years, which is incredible. Mm. I think that's that's probably been its biggest failing is the fact that the price did go up. 
because when it started off at like an eight grand car and mm-hmm. it made so much sense at, at that much money and it's just crept and crept and crept to the point where it's almost double that and um obviously at the same time you can get a used one relatively cheaply so they possibly sort of price themselves out of the market with it a little bit but that's probably all a load of nonsense and it's probably just going so they can make a small electric car yeah i'd imagine so um so at the moment the well just before the car was discontinued it was about fifteen thousand pounds and ironically when the up gti was started to be sold it was about 13 to 14 grand and the fact that it was more than the the baseline was more than the top spec one was mm. in 2018 2019 just insane yeah it's bananas and how much was the e up the e up was or the yorkshire as some people call yeah it. i think it was just over 20 grand um but it wasn't grand yeah well, i only found out recently that the Volkswagen was selling the e up or relaunched it in ireland again so I'm not sure if the EUP was dropped from sale in the UK because of the right-hand drive thing. They weren't selling enough for the right-hand drive market. And I noticed mm. that it just been launched again in Ireland. So I'm not sure what's happening with that. So, hmm. Interesting. So, yeah. Cool. Um, we're following on from last month. We did some well, we did some deals last month. So I went on AutoTrader last night and found some EV bargains, I guess. Um, so hopefully these are not sold because most of the ones we looked at last month They'd already been sold in the time previous. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the the first one I found was a Renault Megane E Tech. Um, quite a big discount on this. So it's it's a like a one year old model. It's seventy two reg. It's only done five thousand, just over five thousand miles, and it's up on Auto Trader for just over twenty five grand, which is eleven grand more, well, eleven grand less than what it sold for new. So that's not a bad deal. You've you've mm. driven you've driven one of these, haven't you? That's a... Yeah. Yeah. Have yeah. Um, uh, only very briefly, okay. I have to say, uh, at one of these at one of these drive days, and yeah, it was it was a nice thing to be fair. My uh, my sort of memory of those fifteen minutes with that car are are pretty good ones, in fairness. Um, but yeah, it's, it's lost a lot of money in the first oh, yeah. year, and I think at 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 the moment, people saying I can't afford to get into an EV. Well, probably if you have a look around now, you can mm. if you really want to. Uh, obviously, this is still a very new car, but I mean, some, some, some of the um, prices you see. I mean, you can get an EV now for under five grand, can't you? Yeah. If you really want one, it's not going to have a very good range, and it'll be a bit older, etc. But some of these deals are very impressive. Yeah. Uh, the next one I found was I just I've heard about the Corsa being really cheap used, but I didn't even know it was this cheap. So <laughs> I found a Vauxhall Corsa E, so the not the the brand brand new one because that's only just been launched. Um, but the the uh, the first generation one is so it's a 2020 model, uh, end of 2020. It's only done 36,000 miles, which isn't too many at all, really. Um, and it's just over 12 grand. Uh, and that car, brand new at the moment, is well, that car was brand new for 32 grand. So that's just insane. Hmm. And the new ones, what 36 yeah. or something? Yeah. Yeah. So you're basically after. If you look at it, it's lost a third of its value every year, pretty much. Yeah. And this car looks in good condition. It's very clean. Yeah. There's no damage on it. It's got the DC fast charging. Uh, it's got the cables included as well. Looks like looks like it's got a fair amount of kit on it. So pretty good. The other thing with these is there are hundreds of them around. It's not like you've, you know, you've been 
um, a, a super sleuth and you've found the one for sale, there are hundreds of these Corsa-E's around. Yeah. So, um, yeah, fill your boots, really, because, you know, you're not going to service it very often. No. <laughs> uh, the, you know, the running costs of it, if, if you can charge at home, are going to be negligible. Also, I think a car around this kind of price point could possibly be a second car in someone's household. If you need you, you one car that does long journeys all the time, um, perhaps you've got someone that does lots and lots of business mileage, fine. But for someone else in the house that's possibly just doing normal commutes and normal kind of round town stuff, this will absolutely do the job for you. Twelve and a half grand for a almost three year old car. Yeah, it's quite impressive. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one of the other deals I found. So yeah, as you mentioned, some of these deals I haven't had to look very hard to find these. I just got on Auto Trader, mm. filter by yeah. electric, low to high, and choose the manufacturers that I know have got good EVs. It didn't didn't take me very long at all. So they're not hard to find. Mm. The next one I got is the cheapest Honda E on Auto Trader at the moment. Um, it's just under sixteen, mm-hmm. uh, just under seventeen thousand pounds. Um, and I reviewed one of these on the Interface channel uh, about last month, I think. Um, and really, really impressed with yeah. it. And it, this is definitely a second second car just because of the range. But this is this yeah. has done no miles. It's done eleven thousand miles. It's a twenty twenty car, so it's three years old. Again, this is this is this must be a lease a lease expired job um, because it, a lot of these are three years old. Yeah, or or yeah. company. Yeah, loads of them be ex company cars as well. Yeah, um, and this is a lot of car for sixteen grand. These were brand new. They were th- what the thirty eight thousand pounds brand new now. Um, so massive yeah. amount of depreci- depreciation again. The um, the only sort of downsides with the Honda E obviously are the the, yep. the battery range and the fact that if you want to take more than a packed lunch out with you, uh, you know, it's a little bit lacking for cargo it space. Is. But as a thing to drive, they're just such fun, aren't they're they? They're absolutely amazing. I, as I said, I think I told you last episode, I did about a thousand miles in that car in one week. And just I had a lot of lot yeah. of seat time in that car, and it was really really good, really really impressed with it. Yeah, 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 brilliant. Yeah. Um, well, uh, the next one we've got is the first generation Mini Cooper electric. So, the the next generation has just been announced literally a few weeks ago. Um, and this one, brand new, it, it was thirty two thousand pounds. This one again is a twenty twenty Reg, and it's just over fourteen thousand pounds. Um, and it's done 31,000 miles, which, again, isn't many for an EV, really. And that's a massive, massive drop in value. So, again, these ones haven't got the best range, but... Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest problems with a Mini is the reliability and the cost of repairs. And, of course, this hasn't got many moving parts. Uh, You don't need to worry about the fact that it's going to take someone two weeks to do a clutch on it because it hasn't got a clutch. So, um, yeah, a lot, lot of reasons not to buy a Mini immediately go away when you turn it into an EV. I think the, the new one will hopefully be a bit more impressive because I think it's probably been designed, well, it has been designed, hasn't it, as an EV primarily, rather than the this first generation, which was a case of let's take out the engine and gearbox and drop a few batteries and motors around the place. Um, for me, EVs always work best when they're designed from the ground up as an EV. But yeah, it's a, again an incredible price drop and a great bargain. Yeah, if I remember rightly, I think these use a lot of ID three, uh, not ID three, I three parts. 
Um, I think a lot of it is just an I3 yeah. underneath, just, which they're quite proven to be quite reliable, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then very the very last one I've got is not a bigger discount as we've seen before, but this is quite a big, well, a relatively, relatively uh, discount. It's a Aura Funky Cap. Um, this is the cheapest one I could find on AutoTrader. And it's basically seven, seven or eight grand less than the, the new price. So this is a first edition. So it's got mm. all the options on it. Um, it's only done 6,000 miles. It's a one-year-old car and it's 25,000 pound. And that's 32,000 pound brand new, that one. So I still wouldn't buy that. And the reason is, um, yeah, it's 32,000 pound car. This one's an ex-demo with 6,000 miles on it. And it's dropped down to 25 grand. Yep. Uh, in less than a year, that's going to depreciate a lot. They, the Aura Funky Cat is going to depreciate a lot. Now, you can lease one of those for three years for about 10 grand, and yeah. you don't have to worry about the depreciation. I think you could buy that one now at 25, bearing in mind it's already lost seven grand. I think you could buy that now at 25, keep it for three years, and it will be worth 10 at the end of it if you're lucky yeah that's my gut feeling on it or you could have spent the 10 and had a brand new one and had no mot's or anything like that yeah definitely yeah i think on least loco i think the funky cat is about 189 a month isn't it it's quite quite a good a good price at the moment yeah so the least profile i usually look at is ten thousand miles a year three months up front and then a three-year lease You'll get one for three hundred quid. Okay, with that, so yeah, yeah. Lots of the lease, lots of the leasing deals you see are on a like a ridiculous profile. It'd be a four-year lease with like twelve months up front and uh, five thousand miles a year or something. And hardly anyone in the real world does mm-hmm. that. Um, but they'll show you it for like twelve pounds a month, uh, <laughs> just again to attract a click, I guess. But yeah, a realistic lease profile, you'll get one for between two fifty and three hundred a month. Yeah, not a bad, not a bad deal, really. So, yeah, with with under a grand down. So yeah, yeah. Uh, again, all those all those deals we found on AutoTrader are in the show notes and in the YouTube description as well. And that brings us on to the lightning round. Um, the first story we've got is the pricing has been revealed for the new 600E. So this looks like a 500E. We talked about it on a previous episode. Um, this is going to be mm-hmm. priced from f- just just under £33,000 in the UK with 250 miles of range. And it shares the platform with that new Jeep Avenger as well. Um, so it, it's mm-hmm. it's going into a quite a crowded market already up against the Kia Nero EV and the Volvo EX30. So um yeah pretty pretty nice looking car and then the interiors of the new 500e uh look pretty pretty nice as well and look quite similar so it's gonna be quite a step up in quality i think so what do you think yeah um i, I just think it seems it yeah. should be cheaper basically is uh, yeah it, uh, when you look at the pricing on the 500e i mean it's not far off no that, is it's it? priced weirdly and you sort of think well this 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 yeah, this should be a lot more than the 500e, and it's not. So that must must be a good thing. But the 500e is priced ridiculously it high. Is. So I think it looks like a nice car. It probably will be a nice car. I think it's a bit too expensive. Uh, the next thing I've got is the Genesis GV80 Coupe. So Genesis have launched a, a Coupe version of the GV80 SUV. Um, I saw one of those in person on Saturday for the first time. That thing's huge. 
the GV GV80 is so so big. Oh, GV80, yeah. yeah, right. I had one for review, and yeah, it's it's full on Range Rover size. Yeah, it's massive. Um, absolutely gorgeous, lovely, wonderful thing that uh, you could happily live in it. To be fair, yeah. If you rented it out on Airbnb in the centre of London, you could get three hundred quid a night for it. I'm sure. It's um yeah, incredibly spacious, very luxurious, lovely thing to drive. I like them. Yeah, the one I, I saw at one of their studios, um, and those studios are really nice. They, they I'm one thing I noticed they smell nice. There's a smell of wood. I don't know if oh, that's yeah. an intentional thing, but um, yeah. Anyway, back to nice. this, back to this car. Um, it's like a coupe version. It's like the, it's like a lot of manufacturers are doing that now. And now Mercedes are doing it. Skoda are doing it. Sort of a fastback version of a existing SUV, um, and mm-hmm. this one will be sold alongside the normal SUV. So it's got all the all the same technology. It's got twenty seven inch infotainment system, um, two tone steering wheel, lots of wood and leather inside. So I think I think that's a really good a really good addition to their lineup. So is there going to be an electric version of this, or they haven't said? So it's going to have. It doesn't look like it. It's going to have a three hundred horsepower petrol engine 400 horsepower petrol engine and some hybrid options at the moment there isn't an electric version that's been talked about um but some hybrid versions though yeah it's bound to come though i think with a vehicle of that size and weight as well you know it's fairly easy to to get some batteries involved Mm, so hopefully they use it to make a really good size ev suv yeah uh, the next thing I've got is about NACS. So last month I spoke to um, Nate from FreeWire Technology, and we took we spoke we spoke a little bit about the adoption of Tesla's NACS standard. So for those who don't know much about it, it's basically over in the US, um, Tesla have been very stubborn and not adopted CCS or any other standards. If people remember back to when the Model S and the Model X were introduced in the UK, they didn't have the same connector as everything else. They had their own proprietary connector on used on superchargers. Um, so over, over in the US, Tesla seems to be doing a, a very good job of convincing other manufacturers to adopt their connector. So so earlier this year, they they published the NACS connector as a, a fully fledged standard and have encouraged other manufacturers to use it. And so far, most of the manufacturers of EVs in the US have started to adopt it and have said by next year, the next model refresh, they won't even use CCS, they'll just use the Tesla standard. And last month, Jaguar signed a deal with Tesla to use the connector. And what that means is every car in, in America can use Tesla superchargers without having to have those superchargers set up for third-party access. So it opens up a lot of use cases. And also uh, Hyundai and Kia have adopted that connector as well. So it looks, well, if you're a listener in the US and you've got a non-Tesla EV, suddenly EVs you buy will start to have more access to Tesla charges. I just hope they don't bring that to the UK. Then it would mean I'd have to go and get my Tesla retrofitted or something. So let's hope it's a little way off yet. Look how long it's taken companies to adopt USB-C. I know. Yeah. It's sort of um similar sort of thing. I think some EVs will start to ship with adapters as well. You can buy adapters. So you can oh, have okay. those dongles and things for EVs. So yeah, it's... um. Give me a little bit messy, and people are going to forget them and not be able to charge and get stranded. I can see that coming already, but mm. it is what it is. Thanks for listening or watching this episode of the Charging Status Podcast. You can find us on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. For a full description of this show, visit the episode link in the show notes. 
And of course, check out those chapters complete with images to make your listening experience much more enjoyable. We also have an ad-free premium version of this show available on Apple Podcasts. That will help support this episode and future podcasts from the interface. Jim also has a book out all about used cars. Be sure to check that out. It's a great read. Link is in the show notes. There we go. Book is there. <laughs> Thanks again, Jim, for joining me on the show. Where can people find you online? Uh, the easiest place is to go to my website. It's notaguru.co.uk and all my links to everywhere are right there. Fantastic. Uh, you can find the interface at theinterface.uk and links are in the show notes. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you again next time.